0: Hi, my name's Loz and welcome to Find My Wild. This is the documentation and diarization of how I am and will be continuing to rebuild my life post-domestic violence abusive relationship. Today, we've had a beautiful survivor join us and one of the most chilling things she said during this um, podcast episode was he bludgeoned and strangled a dog in front of me and then as we were returning back to the house he looked at me and said you don't know how chilling that was for me and as she was scared and was like am I next what is happening I can't even imagine the fear that she was feeling right then so As always, this podcast is dedicated to sharing survivor stories and in time we will be bringing on people who are creating change within the domestic violence space and also support services and anyone that can help us survivors out there, whether you're currently in the relationship wanting to leave or you're in that process of leaving or you have left or you're many years into the journey of recovery. It is a long bloody journey, but I'm here with you so take a big breath and say it with me i am so brave i am so strong and i'm so loved in this space let's go uh hello this is loz from find my wild and today we are joined by a domestic violence and abuse survivor who has so bravely decided to come onto this podcast and share her story with you so i'm going to give the floor over to her and let her share her story. She wishes to remain um, anonymous which is perfectly fine and this is a big thing that I try to empower people to do through Find My Wild. You can certainly share your story without having to actually share your details of who you are. So I'm going to give her the stage um, and we're just going to call her a beautiful domestic violence and abuse survivor today. Take it away.
1: So when you hear about my story, I don't want you to hear it with like a lump in your throat and sadness in your heart. And I don't want you to listen to our experience and walk away with anything other than awareness and hope and love yes. and pride really. So I'd been with them for seven years. I met them when I was 24 and it it was just an absolute whirlwind. Like they were so attractive and charming and they just paid attention to me like no one had before. And I was in a place where I was really vulnerable and I just left, uh, just ended a relationship and yeah. that kind of attention was was just amazing.
0: It's so nice and welcoming, isn't
1: it? Yeah. yeah. Um, we met at my workplace. And it just started out, like, flirting while I was making their coffee. And and they started pursuing me quite heavily. And I was a little bit hesitant at first, but I thought, you know what? Let's just give it a go. What could go wrong? Like, let's give it a go. Um, and looking back on it all now, I can see the giant red flags that were, like, waving in my face. But it's not often until the very end of it where you can connect that all. 100%.
0: I totally Um,
1: agree like I'd not message them back quick enough and it'd be what are you messaging one of your other boyfriends
0: so can I just intervene and ask a question how long were you in the relationship before that behavior started was it straight away or was it slowly built up two weeks oh
1: (laughs) so like just straight up but yeah I didn't see that as anything other than Oh my God, he must really like me. Mm-hmm. Like
0: yeah, he cares he's so, so much. worried
1: that I'm talking to somebody else. He wants me all to himself. Like this is like I was flattered by it in a in a strange kind of sense. Um, we'd binge drink alcohol together. It was a standard like every Wednesday night. We'd we'd come to my house and we'd get really drunk. And it was it started out being really fun and like a party. And yeah. then he started really pushing my sexual boundaries. Oh. And I thought, no, he just wants me to loosen up and experiment with me. And that wasn't the case towards the end of it. Um he'd so message me. Can
0: I just jump in again? Yeah. Are you comfortable to talk about what that looked like? Or Yeah. Yeah. So in pushing your sexual boundaries, what was that looking like?
1: Like Um, anal sex. He really, really wanted to have anal sex with me. And that wasn't something that I'd ever done before or was interested in. Yeah, definitely. Um, but he was really quite persistent on
0: he...
1: let's do this.
0: Okay. And did you just feel kind of powerless and and ended up yeah. going along with it? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, there was one occasion that he ended up having a fight with one of his friends on this night because I was talking to them.
0: Just like and in a conversation talking to them?
1: Yeah, like what? he brought, brought his friend round to my house and we were all oh, getting along and having yep. fun and then he was quite drunk and something just switched and he ended yeah. up having a physical altercation with his friend and I couldn't quite understand what was going on. Yeah. Like I couldn't quite comprehend why you're upset that your friend is talking to me. And yeah. the neighbours had called the police. Oh, wow. And when the police came, they sent the friend away Yeah, and they separated my ex-partner and I and they were asking me for what his name was and I was quite hesitant to give it at first because I didn't want him to get in trouble or I didn't yeah I didn't want to cause any any more issues I just wanted to go to bed yeah and once I'd given them his name they got me to stand out like with my arms out and with my legs out like kind of like a star and they were shining a torch all over my body like has he hurt you do you feel scared? Are you threatened? Show us your body, open your mouth, like try to oh, look for wow. signs of injury on me. Okay. And I had, I had no idea what was going. I just wanted to go to bed and I just wanted it to all be over. Um. And once I said like, no, I'm fine. And they assessed that I was physically safe. Yeah. They'd asked him to leave the property Yeah. and he said he was going to do so. And I went inside and I locked the door. He was asking for his car keys and he was really drunk and the police had left and I didn't want him to drive home because he was so drunk. So I'd quickly gone and hidden the car keys. Yeah. And he wouldn't stop knocking, like knocking on the door and causing a scene. I was going to call the police again, but I just, I just opened the door I said, if you're going to come inside and come to sleep, that's great. Let's just, let's just go to bed. Let's just end this. And he trashed my entire house. Oh wow. Like flipped mattresses, ripped cupboard doors off, like threw things everywhere. Where are my fucking keys? Just give me my fucking keys now. And I called his brother to come and get him. Yeah. And that was the end of that. And then that was just oh sorry about that. The next oh. day. Like it was just like nothing had ever happened.
0: And so how did you feel about that? Like was it did you feel like it was a warning sign or did you start to yeah. create a Especially because of especially
1: the police. because of how the police responded. Um they didn't give me any information as to why they were doing it. Yeah. Which looking back, I think that could have prevented so much for me. Yeah. If they would have just said, this is a known Oops. violent person or this this is someone that is known to us even, like that would have I think that would have been so beneficial for me, but I didn't get any of that. It was okay. just a quick shine over,
0: oh you're good. Bye. Get back in. We're gonna leave him with you. Yeah. And I'm then crazy.
1: it was just like nothing had ever happened. And then it was probably four days later that I found out that I was pregnant.
0: Oh, no. Um, So how long are we into the relationship now? Three months. Oh, you poor love. Um, So it was all very fresh. Yeah.
1: And at that stage, like after that incident, I was like, this probably isn't the best choice to me, but finding out that I was pregnant, I that that should have been enough for me to want more for myself but it wasn't because these people can just be they just play it so well
0: yeah and i don't i don't know like if you when you're in those situations and you're young if you know that by staying with someone like that you're actually not wanting more like you yeah. know i think you start to think oh they might change that was a one off if yeah. you know If I'm more, like, if I'm having a baby, I'll be more relaxed or what, like, you know, not relaxed as things you've just had a baby, but not drinking as much. So then there'll be no premeditation. Like there'll be nothing leading into it. I think you just start to create a story in your head that someone can't actually be that vile. Create the
1: narrative that you want.
0: Yeah. Or that someone can't be that vile. I don't know about yourself, but for me, I still to this day struggle with the stories that I hear and the experiences that I've had that someone... Can actually be that person and be that not human yes or have empathy or I don't know like I I just it will never I don't think I'll ever fully understand it even though I believe it's a disease and there's lots in it from all the research I've done I just will never understand how someone can be wired that way and it's also but they said they're sorry Yeah, like Sorry just falls so. They said they're sorry. So, sorry. Like, and they're like, what? And I'm like, no, you're not sorry. Sorry yes. is an action. Sorry is an action. Sorry is like feeling remorse and not repeating that same behaviour or not saying those same things. Like you start to become really like, don't say sorry to me. Are you? Know, <laughs> I don't think yeah, you know I found to a, Sorry.
1: <laughs> an apology without change is just manipulation.
0: Oh, yeah, true. And it's just words. Like they're just yeah. words leaving someone's mouth. Like if there's not actually self-reflection and intent to change and deep remorse for hurting someone else or whatever you've put someone through, then it's just a word that's leaving your mouth. Yeah.
1: Um. So from then on um, I told him and I was like a little bit frightened about how they were going to take the news, but they were just like, oh, better get us a house then. And oh. that was just like, oh, better get us a house. And then wow. we moved in together just before my twenty fifth birthday, twenty sixth birthday. Um, and that was fine. Like there wasn't another big incident like that for a little bit of time. But it was constantly like I'd had to be aware of my behaviour. Yeah. Um, I was always asked about who I was talking to, mm-hmm. if my phone was on loud and I got a notification, then I was obviously talking to somebody else. No matter who it was, it was obviously I was being unfaithful. Um, Which looking back on now, I can kind of see as projection onto their own behaviour. Yeah. Um, But if it was on silent, I was hiding something. So I I could not win.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Whenever I was around them, I was always so worried that my phone was going to go off. That I ended up just putting it on do not disturb whenever I was around them. And just had a certain few contacts like my mom, his
0: mum, his sister, yeah, him that could come through. To allow
1: those notifications.
0: Yeah, it's um uh, it's such a battle when it's like that. And you feel guilt over all messages and contacts that you're getting, regardless of who they are. Like yes. you never, you never feel complete. I I can relate. You never feel completely comfortable with who's contacting you at any point in time because you're like what trouble will you see in this like even if it is someone that's you know like a friend or whatever you're nervous that they might say something like is he with you yeah it spirals it out and it's like no they didn't even mean it that way um
1: so leading up to the birth of our first child I started to acknowledge that okay this my ex-partner does have a drinking problem they were drinking so frequently and the amount of alcohol that this person can put away is astonishing. Mm. And you'd know that things were about to go south because the look in their eye just just changes.
0: Would you explain it as like someone like it's like they've left their body quite often when I speak to people that have par- Yeah that I've got partners like this that I have partners like this or have had, they're like, oh, they, they just get this look and it's like their person has left and it's just this whole different yeah. person coming through.
1: It, it is. It's so frightening. But as soon as I'd see that, it, 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 you just go into like this autopilot survivor mode. Yeah. And what would that look and like? Just,
0: was it the same? Did you get like a process for yourself that you're like, okay, we've got that look, this is what I need to do to minimise destruction? Yeah. Or, And what was the process that you might do? Like let's say we're having a drink, you've seen the look, what are you doing? What do you do now?
1: Very passive and very, mm. very fawn. Like let's just please this person as much as possible. Be cautious yeah. of your tone of voice. Be cautious of your movements. Mm. If they say something that you don't like, just suck hold it, up. it in.
0: Yeah. Don't change your facial expressions, though. <laughs> like yeah. you've got to look like it didn't face Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like you just, it's insane what you end up having to do.
0: Oh, just speaking to you brings me back to some of the times. <laughs> like at checkouts and in weird places where I've seen that look and I'm like, oh, shit. Someone's gonna go. get a chicken someone's gonna get a chicken sandwich at him in a minute. I can just see it coming. Like
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so the frequency and severity was really quite escalating. Um they did, they were a really hard worker. They were very good at their job. Mm. And they are very smart. But this his job involved manual labor and it was mm-hmm. always seen as like a I'm the provider for the house. I work really hard. What the fuck do you do? Kind of thing. Like, well, I'm nine months pregnant. That's what I do. Yeah. Um.
0: So, when you say he was a hard worker and good at his job, was he recognized as his job for being that?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> this blows my mind because um, my ex partner one day won the happiest person on site. And I remember going, what? <laughs> What do you mean? Who are you talking about? Are you seriously talking about that person? I was like, why are you not like that at home? Yeah. (gasps) And
1: it's just crazy what they can do to you, Mm. and have this persona for the outside world. But in saying that, I wasn't just the only target all the time. They'd they'd frequently call while they were drunk. They'd frequently call their mum and say something that they knew would trigger her to start an argument just for fun. And they'd just sit outside drinking, drunk, talking on the phone to their mum, just arguing with her for fun.
0: Yeah. Mine was his mate's partners. Like we'd we'd go to a dinner party or something and he would have like, pick an argument with the partner. That, that person's partner and it was almost like he was wanting his friend to choose him over them, like yeah. he was more important than them and I used to just sit there. I was actually pregnant when one of these broke out, so pretty similar mm-hmm. to what you're saying and I remember going there for a dinner party and I was like, what is happening right now? It's mental.
1: You're it's- watching it and you just think when these scenes unfold, you're watching and you're just like, where are the cameras? Like, am oh. I on the Truman Show? Is this is this happening?
0: Yeah, and isn't it funny how you justified in your mind that a particular, you know, the partner might have been a bit needy or a bit controlling in some yeah. right to her partner. So you, I would be like, oh, yeah, he's just defending his mate. But then it would, like, escalate to tears and you're like, yep. what are you doing right now? Why are you doing this to them?
1: And it's... It, is, it, it appears to be fun for them. Oh, like totally. Get, and get
0: then enjoyment when, the, out of it. when it's all over, it's just like, oh, um, you know, she shouldn't have done this or that shouldn't have happened. now when I look back and I actually think about it, I actually feel like he has a distaste for women as a whole. <laughs> yeah. Like as a species. And it wasn't yep. just, you know, like now that I look back and watch the arguments and the fights and the things that happened, I, I I don't know. I don't know what underlying trauma lies there for him, but yeah.
1: Um, so I'll go on to the birth of our first child. Um our first child was a particularly difficult baby. They had colic and just would not stop crying unless I was holding them or breastfeeding them. Like that was it. Nobody else could hold this child. Yeah like a complete velcro mm. extension of my body like I was so sleep deprived this baby would only sleep for like 45 to 90 minutes at a time for about like 10 months like this baby just
0: wouldn't nah, settle
1: oh, just yeah. came out screaming and never stopped and I tried <laughs> so many different avenues like I'd tried sleep consultants and violin therapy and all the things, all the things
0: that we, we do and, when we're in like yeah. when we're in fight or flight. How can we fix this? Yeah.
1: Uh, I begged my ex for help one night. Like, can you just please help me? Because by this stage, they'd never changed a nappy, they'd never mm. held the baby, they'd never changed it, or like done anything. Yeah. And I was begging them for help. Like, can you just take them for a little bit, please? And I'm like, well, I don't have fucking tits, so I don't know what you want me to do.
0: Cool. Oh. Okay. I'll just Okay, well I'll just leave then. Yeah, there's no point talking okay. about this any further.
1: Well, I've got to go to work tomorrow. Someone's gotta to pay the bills, like the guilt. So I just stopped asking for help. I never asked for help again. Yeah. Um my child has grown into a beautiful, clever, happy, happy little man. Oh, I'm um, sure. Great, I'm sure that
0: sometimes the more difficult the babies they are, the I don't know, how pleasing it is to watch them flourish because you're like, oh, thank goodness that period of your life's over.
1: Um, So in between then, um, there'd been plenty more just drunken episodes like incidents, Um, but my finances were now heavily controlled because I wasn't working. Yeah, been there. Um, I couldn't get my hair done. Because it looks too good, dark. You notice I've got dark hair now, by the way. Um. Oh, I love that. Go you. Look up. Look what look did you use to dye
0: it blonde?
1: Um, it was just like a ready brown or something. Like okay, it looked looked too good, dark. So you can't look too good. Um, I couldn't get my nails done. Now they're done. Now well, um, I love that. Done. Done. Congrats
0: on you know becoming you and adopting the things yeah. that you want in your life. That's such a nice feeling when you're on the other end of it
1: um you've got my nails done I was obviously trying to impress somebody else and if I exercised it was because I was trying to look good for my other boyfriends but if I didn't exercise I was a fat. fat so yeah I've been
0: there
1: so like what what, you
0: what do you do what do you want did you find I don't know this is something that I found might be different for you but when we were in a group that he was okay with it didn't matter if I looked nicer than if it was say me with my friends or me going out for a drink with the girls like if there was I his mates. Not, stuff.
1: um I didn't go out with my friends oh. I didn't I haven't been out in eight years wow I had not once gone out and socialized with my friends um I did go out like shopping and stuff with his sister and we go out to brunch But his sister was there and the baby was there.
0: Yeah. Um, So super tight rain.
1: But we were always allowed to go and see his friends. Yeah. And he was, you know, either at the pub or at one of his friends' houses or sitting outside drinking. Yep. So by now it's been a couple of years. We're doing this cycle of just absolute
0: nonsense. Yep
1: it's the typical cycle, like there's everything's pretty normal, everything's fine, we're just living a day-to-day life, but then you can feel the tension starting to build. The explosion, as and, they like to call it. Yeah, and yep. you're walking on eggshells and you're, you know, analysing every single bit of your behaviour just to try and not set them off again. Yeah. And then there is the incident and then there's an apology. Mm. And the apology for me was him having makeup sex with me. And that was like, oh, he's having sex with me. Everything must be fine. He loves me. And that was kind of the only time that I ever got any real physical affection from him. Yeah. So I craved that. Like, I just, I needed that reassurance from them as my partner, as the father of my child. Like, I just... I just wanted that so bad, and when I got that, I was like, "Oh, everything's fine now." Oh, your poor thing. Um. So I've gone on and become pregnant again. Um. So our children are two years apart. Mm-hmm. And by now, we've purchased our own property. Yeah. Um. And the next really big thing, like really, like you know kind of shocking incident not your average drunken tantrum incident we had gone out camping and our youngest would have been probably 18 months old yeah and he was really drunk and I was sitting around the campfire talking to two of his friends and their girlfriends who were also there and our youngest is quite unsettled um not as unsettled as our oldest I was a baby but she was just you know, we are out camping. We're in the middle of yeah. the bush. She doesn't have all her comforts around. She's not feeling it. Like,
0: Yeah, wasn't camp. my
1: camping. She obviously doesn't. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, And he'd come up to where we were sitting and it was, was very upset that I was talking to his two male friends. And he'd snatched our baby at a month old off me and thrown her into his ute with him oh. and sped off. And the two males are like, everything's going to be okay. You know, it's just, it's just him. This is just what he does. She'll be fine with him. He'll come back. Everything's going to be okay. And I was looking at the wife and the girlfriend thinking, can you help me please? Like trying to non-verbally communicate with them. Yeah. This is bad. This isn't good. Like this is a really drunk, aggressive man with an 18 month old child speeding around the bush. Oh, She's unrestrained. Um, so I spent the whole time just worried sick. And I had to try and put on a good front for our oldest child. Yeah. Who was, you know, kind of old enough to to realize something wasn't right. Mm, something's not right, but not quite old enough to understand the gravity of the situation, which I'm pretty yeah. grateful for. But probably twenty minutes has gone past, and he's come speeding back down into where we were camping, and he's grabbed our child out of the ute by her arm, oh. and thrown her onto me. You take her. I can't fucking help her. We're like okay, I'm just like holding my child so tight, like it's over. It's okay. Everything's gonna be fine. Um, and then you know he just carried on as normal, drinking with his friends, having a laugh, going out fishing, like what, I'm sorry, like this yeah. is real, this is... That behavior's mm, not, not okay, yeah. Um. Later in the night, everybody else had fallen asleep and I was trying to settle our uh, same young child back into sleep in the tent. And He was sitting outside drinking alone and I remember looking at, at the tent at him and he was just drinking, kind of mumbling to himself and singing Nickelback.
0: Oh, my God, what song? I was just looking... <laughs>
1: Um, Sorry, I just don't, excited. I don't know,
0: I love music. So I'm like, what song? Do you know? It? I don't remember the
1: exact song. I'll know it when I hear it. Okay. <laughs> um, But just just random. Um, it was very strange for me that they were even listening to that um, and that the baby was still crying and he'd come into the tent and grabbed her off me. Yeah. And I stayed there with our oldest trying to make sure that they didn't wake up. So I don't want to scream and kids. kids on my hand and she was still crying. And I remember hearing her crying and him screaming out her name and the sound that she made, I knew that he had like given her a few like shakes. shakes so I jumped out and I ran out and I just snatched her off him and he didn't even say anything. And I'd taken her into the tent and i I checked her pupils and I looked at her ears, and like I I have some medical knowledge, yeah. um, so I just assessed them, and they hadn't vomited, and I believed that with the, the training that I already have that they that they were okay. yeah and thankfully they were. yeah. Um, and then the next morning, you know, oh, I got a bit carried away, didn't I, but I've got a surprise for you. Like okay, what's the surprise? And the kids were still asleep in the tent, and he set up like this weird, <laughs> really poxy picnic across like the lake. Like we had to walk across the river to get to this weird poxy picnic that he'd set up. And he had like three in the morning. There God, what time us. did he get up? Yeah, it was like five o'clock. He hadn't been to sleep. It was like five o'clock in the morning. Um, oh, shit! Does he
0: take? And, did he take drugs too, or was it just drinking?
1: I feel like he did, yep. Yeah. Okay. And I feel like that night he probably had. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just this weird poxy picnic. It was like a few stale biscuits and some wet cheese and like <laughs> ham that had been out for ages. And I was like, oh, no thanks. Okay. And he set up some music. And, I, and the mother in me is like, no, fuck you, get away from me, get away from my kids. But the trauma bonded person inside me was like wow you're making such an effort like I think you're really sorry this time because it was very unusual for them to even ask me to come and hang out with them in a context like this yeah and I was tipping all the drinks out while they were changing songs and not looking like I was just quickly pouring these drinks out into the lake because I don't I don't want to drink at five o'clock in the morning sorry like (laughs) you know Wow. um and then i wanted to have sex with me in the river which is disgusting for a start like we live in regional queensland so you can imagine like the bush river kind of thing that i'm talking about oh. um and eventually i was just like yep let's just get her over and done with like it's not i'm on a meeting doll um no you're fine don't be sorry Uh, eventually I just I'd just given into it just to get it over keep the peace yeah and just just get it over and done with him and just make him happy and hopefully everything's just going to keep being okay
0: yeah
1: um and we'd gone back up to the camp so like I could see the tent from where we were and I knew that there were the two other women there would go and see the kids if They they woke up crying
0: yeah
1: um, one of them was pregnant themselves. So I did did have they ever bring up trust in them.
0: Did they ever bring up what happened that night? Like, did anyone no. ever say? No.
1: Okay. One of them is in a is in a similar relationship herself. Okay. And just hasn't hasn't acknowledged it yet. They're not they're not ready.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's okay. And I hope they know that they've got a soft place to land with me when they are.
0: Yeah,
1: um, but for now they're very much aligned with their husband's views on me. Yeah, um, which is fine. Um, when they're ready, um, yeah, they've got a soft place with me, so I hope they do. Um, when they do realize that they do come to me, but even if they don't, then that's also that's also fine. If everyone's. Well, I think you'll uh,
0: find out. People start reaching out. You start once you start yeah. sharing and um especially when court, like I know you said that before, early before we started the podcast that about your lawyer, so you're obviously in court at the minute. Yeah. When all that's over mm-hmm. and, you know, you share bits of your experience, I think it, that's when other people start to go, oh, wow, I had the same. Like I had a girl that um, I had known, we'd worked really closely together and I'd known for years and then when I started yeah. sharing, she reached out and shared her story as well. So sometimes you just That's don't amazing, yeah. Yeah, so you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And then it's just your little bit of sharing that kind of gives them the comfort to go, oh, someone knows how I'm feeling.
1: Yeah. Mm. It can be, um, you can turn something really crap into something, safe for other people. 100%, yeah. Um, right, so back to camping. After this camping incident, I had messaged his parents and I'd said, I need to talk to you Um Can me and the kids please come over? I I need to talk to you. And I that they know that he has a drinking problem. They're well aware of it. Yeah. Um. His own mother has said to me he needs one of those implants put in so he can stop drinking. All right. That beer does get him into so much trouble. Like for seven years, this woman has told me that they know that their son's an alcoholic, that they know he's dangerous, that they know he's not a good role model to our children.
0: Yeah.
1: I'd gone to them and i told them what happened. And her advice to me, which still just, still shocks me to this day is, well, you just need to make him a sandwich and then he won't get so drunk. What? It's my fault because I'm not feeding him. If I made him a sandwich, he wouldn't get so drunk and wouldn't abuse us.
0: That is absolutely insane.
1: Like bizarre.
0: What has that got to do with anything?
1: It's it's just complete. I feel like at this stage they're ashamed of themselves just... as
0: parents. But what's the sandwich got to do with anything? Like honestly, how's a sandwich? He's just hungry. That's why he's lashing out. Is that what she thinks?
1: He won't get so drunk if he eats a sandwich. He won't get oh, so drunk so sure. quickly if he's Let's eating a fill sandwich. His,
0: line in his stomach got you.
1: I can guarantee you, if I made him a sandwich, there'd be something wrong with it.
0: Oh, he would have thrown it at you probably. Imagine being yeah, really drunk have... and angry, and someone tries to feed you a sandwich. <laughs> like, on. like logically, like even as someone who's not abusive, and you know what I mean. You, you don't take that on, let alone having the abusive tendencies behind you. But anyway
1: let's not so i'd left that conversation um really disappointed yeah um
0: it is because... quite hard when you try and when it so if this yeah. is 18 months when did you leave we're going to i'm going to skip four, but we'll come back to this how long were not you together until... after this moment
1: not until she turned 5
0: Okay, so we've got a lot more years to go. Yeah. Um. So this is obviously a pinnacle part in your story because this is when you recognised yeah. behaviour was wrong and you started reaching out for support.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a lot of my friends, like I didn't have very many friends that lived in town. I had a couple of friends that lived interstate and some that lived like 300 kilometres away and we'd, we'd talk on Snapchat. And they knew that if I sent one that had a dot, like just a dot, yeah, they had to screenshot the next one that was coming through. Okay. And a lot of that now has been used in criminal and family court proceedings.
0: Wow. Well, that's isn't it funny how you start doing things way back when before knowing mm-hmm. you'll need them? Like, and... You put, like, things into place, I suppose, that later become a pinnacle part of your journey. Yeah.
1: I had a, you know those really big, like, 30, 50-litre tubs, those Mm -hmm. plastic tubs? Yeah. I had one of them and I told them, like, I told my ex-partner that this was because, oh, you never know what you're going to need with kids, like, I don't want to have to worry about packing a bag every time we go out like this way. I've just always got like a towel and a change of clothes for the kids in there if we need it. But in this bag, like I had enough stuff for Police. the children and I to survive for three days if we needed it. Okay. Like so,
0: and everything so that were, we needed. By this stage, you were planning that now, like that you yeah. knew that the point was going to come eventually that you'd have to get out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there were so many more just, just silly drunken arguments. He would either like he'd fail to be present at all of our family meal times. He has never given them a bath. He's probably sat down and had dinner with us probably like fifteen times.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I know all of that. You start to think, what was my idea of a family like when you look back yes. and you think those things. Um so let's skip forward until the leaving bit. So leading into this was there any significant events or anything There were two
1: Yep. Yeah, two really big ones. Um we'd been to a wedding. Um and I did not want to go to this wedding because they are high high risk times for our relationship because there was a lot of alcohol consumption, there are a lot of people. It's I I, I knew that this was going to be bad. Yeah. Um. This was a wedding, in a little bush town,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I had to get his parents to to mind our children. So we'd gone from the city that we live, maybe three hundred k's to where his great grandma lived. Yeah. And all of the kids, his parents. And his great-grandparent all stayed in the house that night and we'd gone off to the wedding, which was probably another 150 k's away.
0: Okay.
1: Um, during that time, like, I was just drinking with his friend and having fun and I thought everything was great, but I, I very quickly found out that things weren't great. Um, I was a hoe because I was dancing with a group of girls. Okay. Once a hoe, always a hoe. He loved to throw the hoe word
0: out. That's That was a statement. Pace. That was the word. And yep. I think
1: if like when you hear other people's stories, there's always like a favorite a th- phrase that they like to throw out. Yep. Um, and so I'd started getting a bit teary and I didn't want to like ruin somebody's wedding for a start by causing causing a scene. Um, but I was a bit teary and I just went into full form mode. Um I'll never talk to that girl ever again. I'm so sorry. like I, I didn't mean to upset you. Now that I know that you don't like her, I'll never talk to her again. Can we please just can we please just try and have a good night? We never get time alone together. like let's just let's just try and have a really Enjoy good time it. to which they agreed. Yeah, um, and they just kept feeding me alcohol. And by that stage, I'd probably had about six drinks. yep. Um, but when I saw how aggressive he started to become with other people, I started tipping the drinks out again or just leaving them on it, like leaving them against a ledge and walking away from them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So I wouldn't be too drunk. And he'd seen me talking to another girl. I can't even talk to girls at this stage. Yeah. And he screamed, you're nothing but a fucking hoe, once a hoe, always a hoe, and stormed off. And I'd followed after them. Yeah. We'd going back to the campgrounds that the um, people getting married had set up and we were having an argument and I remember saying to him, I'm like, this is a, you're abusing me. This is abuse. I know what this is. Why are you doing this? Like pretty much just confronting them and calling them out on it. And yeah. that was probably one of the worst things that I could have done. He told me to get into his car. Oh. And I did. Um, and he's driven us away And I I remember thinking, shit, he's taking me to another location. This isn't good. And we were in like the middle of nowhere, like a very, very small regional town. He's snatched my phone off me and pretended to throw it out the window. And all I could think of was immediately like all the kids' photos are on there. Oh, my God, what am I going to do without the kids' photos? I'm so upset. And then then it clicked me like, This is actually where I don't have a phone to call anyone. Yeah. Um, He threw my shoes out the window. We were driving so, so fast. Like we were going like, like 150 down these dirt roads. And he was so drunk and I was really scared. And I kept saying like, if you want to go for a drive, I'm happy to drive with you, but we need to just slow down a bit. What do you know about fucking driving? You can't even drive a manual. He was playing really, really loudly. Upbeat like '90s school disco music, like Aqua (gasps) and Hanson, and like it was, it was just so surreal because I couldn't comprehend what was even happening. Um, he pulled a hunting knife out from under his car. He was a pig chaser.
0: Yeah,
1: he pulled a hunting knife out from under his car. Yeah, and he started just dragging the blade down my arm, like it didn't cut me. But he was just dragging the blade down my arm, just like it It tickled a little bit. Yeah. But just to psychologically Talk torment me. Yeah. Um, He pulled over onto the side of the road and he grabbed the knife and he'd gone to stab me, but at the very last second he'd turn it around and just hit me with the butt of it in my ribs. And I'm just like... All the while, this crazy '90s disco music is playing, and I just, I'm going, "It's okay. Like everything's gonna. It, really, everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. We, let's just put the knife down, and we can we can have a we can have a conversation about this. Like, please, let's just let's just put it down. Everything's gonna be okay. And okay. he kept saying to me, "No, it's not. You've seen too much. Now it's time for you to disappear. And I thought that it was going to kill me. Oh. So I'm scanning, scanning the Ute for a first aid kit. I'm scanning anything that I can use for first aid supplies. And he told me to get out of the car. I did not want to get out of the car. I was holding onto the, like the little safety bars on the inside of the car. Yeah. And He was ripping me out by my feet, and I tried to push back, just to create some distance. But then he's grabbed the knife again, and I thought, oh, no, like that's that's it. I've got to. I've just got to do what he tells me to do. Um, he tried to make me climb a tree. I don't know why, but he tried to make me climb a tree and I couldn't. And he said, You better find a way up there. Oh. I'm like, well, can you give me a boost? And he gave me a boost to try and climb up this tree. And then he was just screaming at me about how I'd seen too much. It was time for me to disappear. And I said, No, like just let me go and see the kids. Like, can we please just go back to the kids? No one's ever going to see you or those fucking kids ever again, and I'm I'm just trying to please this person in any way that I can just to try and get anywhere. Yeah, um, we'd gotten back into the car and started driving again.
0: hmm
1: And we'd gone past a little police station, and I knew that we were coming through this small town, and I, I was thinking like trying to th- trying to think of what speed is slow enough for me to tuck and roll and jump out of this car without dying. But I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. And he just kept driving and then pulling off to the side of the road and starting all over again. And eventually, he just had a brain snap and started crying hysterically, like bawling, and I've never seen him have any other emotion in his life whatsoever. What have I done? I can't believe what I've done. I'm so sorry. You don't deserve this. Let's just get into the back of the ute and try and have a sleep. What? Okay. I'd, I'd love to do that right now. Let's do that. So we're just pulled off into the side of the road in the middle of a, like, ditch in this really heavy shrub. And he'd laid down, like, his suit jacket. Let's just go to sleep. And he's holding me there like he was holding me so tight, just, just sobbing about what he's done. I think it's okay to cry, babe, you can cry, you can cry, you know, it, it, really, it's okay to cry. And I was just so completely numb and detached and not even in my body at that point. And he'd fallen asleep. And I jumped out of the tray of the ute and I just started vomiting oh, and trying to panic about are we going to get back to see the kids? How are we going? What am I going to do? Like I'm in the middle of the n- middle of nowhere. No one knows where I am. I don't have a phone. I don't know the password to his phone. I don't know what to do. I can't drive a manual. Um, he'd woken up in the morning. Oh, morning, babe. Had to sleep. Oh yeah, good thanks. What about you? Yeah, pretty good. And all right, let's get back, let's get going back to the town that children were in. But first, I want to fuck. I was like, oh, my God. Um, I don't really think there's anywhere where we can have sex. It's like, yes, there is. And it just opened the door and I could see that the knife was still, like, in between the driver's seat and the glove, like, the little box.
0: Yeah. The little The glove box. Oh, the, like, console, the centre console. Yeah, centre console. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah.
1: The knife was still in between there. Wow, And so I'm just like, no, I'm not making him angry again. Let's just do it. And it bent me over the side of the passenger seat and it was just, just like disgusting. Like it was oh. just, there wasn't, there wasn't anything in it other than just me being something for him to get off. Oh, um, Then that was over. We'd gotten back into the car and I said, what do you remember about last night? He was like, I told you, I'm sorry. I don't know what more you want from me. I'm really glad that you're sorry. Thanks for telling me that. Thank you so much. Um, Just this isn't going to get anywhere. I need to get into a town. I need to get someone. Um, We got into where the kids were with his parents and I just started crying because I felt like it was all over. Um, And he just sort of rolled his eyes at me and his parents looked at us like, oh, did you guys have a pretty big night? You're like, you're back here pretty early. Um, And I just said, yep, yep, thanks so much for having the kids. And his parents made him go and have a sleep in one of the bedrooms and he was asleep for probably three or four hours. So I'm just forced to sit in this strange house with his parents, with the kids, and try and process everything that had happened. Um, I went to go and have a shower and I just sat on the floor of the shower and, like, silently screamed into it like a face washer. oh, Just sobbing not knowing what I'm going to do I've got no money yeah I've got nowhere to go um so we'd gone back home after he'd woken up and he just kept saying like I don't know what you're looking so fucking upset for I've told you I'm sorry I don't know what more you want from me why can't that just be good enough for you you're always such a fucking sook about things I'm like, yeah, I know that you said that you're sorry. Um, I'm I think I'm just really tired. I'd gone down to the Ute and taken photos of the knife on my phone. And he he wanted to look at photos from the wedding not long oh, after. Oh shit.
0: And he saw and I'm them.
1: going through the photos of the wedding. And he's like, What the fuck do you have a photo of the knife for? And I said, Oh, it's just it's just about me. Like, it's just for me. It's just like about me taking back my me taking back my power kind of thing. Like it's not in your hands anymore. It's it's just a photo. I just want to look at it so I can feel better. And he made me delete it. And he went into recently deleted and made me delete it out of there as well. Um, That night he initiated sex with me again, to which I just, I didn't want to do, but I, I'd just done it anyway. And mm. he, he put his hands around my neck and that during sex, that's something that's weird discussed previously I didn't overly enjoy it I did not not enjoy it like it was just something that we'd done before but consent one time is not consent every time Mm -hmm. and the pressure that he was putting on was different before what he'd done before yeah and I was trying to get my hands underneath to get him off yeah and he we didn't even finish having sex like he just got up and got off me was like you are fucking poison everything has changed now you're disgusting that was all poison you are poison wow went and had a shower got into bed rolled like rolled over so he was facing away from me and went to sleep and didn't do anything um he was going away for work for probably like 10 days yeah a couple of days after that so I thought yeah that's all we got to do we just gotta I've just got to get through these two days and then he's going away for work um, while he was away at work, his two dogs got into a pretty big fight. Yeah. Um, and they needed vet treatment. So, like, no, nah, you're not taking them to the vet till I get home. Oh, wow. And I, sh- I should have just left while he was away at work. I should've. But there's so many moments in so many of these stories that you hear from people that share of them where they know all the should-ofs.
0: Oh, 100%. And if you look statistically, it takes six to seven times for someone to actually leave. Like, you know, you might start the planning process, or, you know, for me, I went and stayed at a friend's house for a week, years, but like a few years before I actually left. But to muster up the courage to truly leave is something that no one. Even, like, I don't understand your courage level. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're all so different yeah. in that process that I think when you look back, you always do go, this would have been key, should have done this, should have done that. But yeah. there's like so much goes into actually taking that leap and leaving.
1: And I think having kids with... And
0: a house and all your things. Yeah. Like, it's so much more than just leaving a person like you've got a yes. whole connected life that you've then got to somehow unconnect with someone that's not a logical thinker so it's not just like i don't love you anymore okay i don't love you anymore let's part our ways and support our kids as best we can like you know that your the fight lives along on longer than that moment and that leaving process because you're so intertwined
1: and that that just creates an even more complex feeling of of helplessness.
0: I'm stuck. I'm, stuck. I'm yeah. stuck. Like, how do I get the fuck out of this? And I've got a lifetime bond with this person. Like yeah, our kids tied have,
1: together. Our
0: kids are going to live forever. So you're like, it's not just the moment of leaving. Even though your head's not thinking clearly about the rest of it, you, your cells yeah. and your body knows that, yes, you can leave, but then you've got to maintain leaving and then you have to live every day beyond that leaving moment knowing that you're forever tied to someone.
1: It's never just leaving. No. That's just, it is just merely the first step.
0: Oh, totally. Um, It is so... Oh, I'll never forget that day ever in my life and that's what I want to do with Find My Wild is actually the first thing that I'm working hard towards doing now is creating that um crisis leaving that fleeing support as in you know in like hindsight as as quickly as you can get non-for-profits up and running which takes some time i'm i'm really working at the process of having like a helpline where someone goes all right i'm leaving and it's like okay where are you drive to this servo or if you can get to this servo there's 50 liters of petrol waiting for you which town would you like to go to here's a week's accommodation go to Woolies, there's a $150 gift voucher there for you, we'll get you in for a week and then that gives you time to think and it gives us time to help you get that next step because even myself, I had money in our bank but I left it with him and I had my parents to go stay with. But if I didn't have that at the time, I don't know how I actually effectively would have left. Like, I, you know, I went to mum's garage and stuff and the lucky thing for me is that my dad's A big kind of strong man, so I knew that um, he's old and obviously probably wouldn't. I probably have more bite than him, (laughs) but I mean, it just made me feel safe to go that. But if you, you know, I know there's so many people out there that don't have that.
1: Um. So, I had started Google searching on my phone, like domestic violence domestic violence statistics with knives like Mm. husband threatened his wife with a knife like I started googling all these things oh my god
0: it's such a symptom isn't it like right so it's that was my process too like googling the behavior what's wrong with me why is this behavior occurring like you start to google's like but then you're so scared of your google search
1: well, wow, my Google search oh. history is now being used in the criminal court proceedings.
0: Oh, thank God!
1: Um, so I'm really glad that I had that. um but the next the next incident is one that is the one that when people hear it and when organizations hear it and when the police heard about it, that was that was the huge one. And as soon as that happened, yeah, that for me was it that was my moment um okay. and that that comes into when the dogs had a fight now this man did not care about his dogs
0: okay he
1: he didn't want them one of them was tied up to a chain at the house
0: yeah
1: and one of them was in a dog pen and he'd let them let them off for probably like an hour or two every day like he did not care about these dogs what
0: kind of dogs his were they? mother and i
1: had um just like pig chasing dogs just like pizzas, yeah. like Big dogs, though.
0: Yeah, no, it kind of sounds like they were big dogs just in a cage for, like, pumps his chest, you know, makes him feel powerful having these dogs.
1: Yeah, and it did. Um, He loved that people were afraid of his dogs. Mm. Um, And his mother and I had frequently told him, like, you know, you need to at least rehome one of them. Yeah. You know, just you need to get, get rid of one of them. Euthanize them, take it to the vet, rehome them. Like you've got to do something. We we can't keep doing this. And this went on for, you know, a, quite a couple of years, where his mother and I were very encouraging of him not being an owner of these dogs anymore. And the night that this happened, I had messaged them the morning of saying, I really think it's time that we get rid of dog's name can you please think about it
0: yeah because
1: it's conflicting for me because this is a living creature that deserves a better life Mm. than what you're providing it you keep it you locked in a cage and you take it out hunting occasionally and you let it off every now and then like this animal deserves a better life than what you're giving it um he'd been drinking with his friend in our shed for ages and i'd you know, he'd missed another family dinner and I'd gone down after that, put the kids to bed, and I'd said goodnight, and I was going to bed. And I heard his friend's car leave. And then I was just anxiously awaiting him coming into bed. Yeah. Sometimes he'd stay up late and just keep drinking by himself, or sometimes he'd come in, you know, drunk and start off. But I'd heard I'd heard one of the dogs yelp, and it's like nothing that I've ever heard in my life before. And I thought, I, I knew that something really bad was happening.
0: Oh, um, I feel like I know where this is going. Yeah. Um, so I'd gone out
1: and the house, the dog that was up at the house was chained up to the house. And I said, what was that? And he said, dog's name. I said, what? He's like, he's dead. He's gone. And I said, why? It's like, because he deserved it. I said, what happened? And he walked me over and this dog was tied up, like chained up to his work trailer. And he said that he'd hit it on the head with a shovel, but the dog wasn't dead. And he made me stand there and watch him as he strangled this dog to death, like repeatedly punching it in the head, strangling this pretty big, like I'd say 50 kilo dog. Wow. Just chained up bludgeoning it and I was vomiting and he was calling me a fucking pussy and this went on for like 20 minutes until the dog was finally dead he got me to hold the phone light as he dragged this this lifeless dog body down to the like little um, dog pen where it was kept and we would walk back up to the undercover area and I was just in such a complete, again, survivor mode, fawn like. I was so scared. I remember the whole time that he was strangling this dog. Yeah, I, I need to go in and call you. the police. Yeah. Why is somebody not calling the police? Like, just, just, I, I just wanted the police to come. Like, that's all I wanted. Um, but they never came, mm. and I don't know how the neighbors did not. Not that it's their responsibility, but I don't know how they did not hear what was happening and not not even make a phone call. Like I don't, I just, wow. it's just so, I can't comprehend that. Um, but as we were walking up from the dog pen back to our undercover area, he'd said in just like the most casual, chilling voice, like that was thrilling for me. Oh. Oh, was it oh was it? He's like, Yeah, probably shouldn't have been, but it's it's like all the pain in my head is gone now. Like, oh, okay. And I didn't I didn't want him to go inside with the kids. I did not want him to go inside where our children were sleeping. This was probably like nine or ten o'clock at night. Um, and we were sitting down, he was just drinking beer, and it said to me, Oh, now you know what I'm capable of. Now you know what could have happened that night out in the bush. And I said, Oh, what? Like I didn't hear him. He went, What? I said, Oh, nothing. And we just chatted for a bit. I'd gone inside. I'd made sure the kids were still sleeping and he was still outside just just drinking. Um, and I just sat and laid in bed and wait there for him to come. And when I heard the door open, I pretended to be asleep. And he didn't he didn't even have a shower. He just he just got oh. straight into bed and went to sleep. And I had to take our oldest to a um rugby game out of town the next day. And I was just looking at my phone like every half hour, just waiting for the sun to come up, just waiting to get out of there. Um, And it did. And I went down to the dog pen in the morning while the kids were eating their breakfast just to like.
0: Soak it and in and reiterate like, to yourself that it's like, time did to this go.
1: actually happen? Like is yeah. this, what the fuck is happening like I never thought it was going to get this bad but to have those two events in such such quick succession like there was like six weeks in between those two things happening yeah I was so so scared then um I'd wait like he called me up while we were at the rugby carnival he's like oh I just buried dog's name so did you where'd you bury them and they just mentioned that they buried them in the old truck pen. Um, and I was like, that was that was pretty scary. Like, that was a lot. It's like, you didn't have to fucking watch it. If you weren't such a pussy about everything, then this wouldn't matter. You wanted him gone, he's gone. Don't think I need to tell a grown man not to bludgeon a dog to death, but here we are. Um, and then I knew there was gonna be probably five days before he left for work again. And I am so grateful that he was working away for, away for work. Yeah. Now he was working on a really high paying, really amazing contract job. Um, and this was his pride and joy and he was so excited to go back. And as soon as he went back, I called DVAC Mm -hmm. and I told them what was happening. And they said, okay, you need to go, these are your steps. You're going to go to your daughter's kindy. You're going to go to your son's school. You're going to tell them what's happening. You're going to call us back afterwards. And I said, yeah. And I went to the school and I told them what was happening. And, you know, they said that they'd support us anywhere that we could. Um, same with the kindy. But the kindy told me, you need to call this organisation as well. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. So I called them. Um, I sent them an email through like, you know, their contact, like the, yeah, their chat thing. What organization you know, was it? Um, Protea Place. Okay. Um, who have been amazing. And I remember saying to them, like, I don't know if this is this is serious or not, but this is kind of what's happening. And they were like, babe, this is pretty serious. This is serious, babe. Fuck. Oh, yeah. Um, come in tomorrow, bring the kids with you, we're going to sort you out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did and I met them and they were just like without frightening me, they're like statistically this is not going to end well. Yeah, statistically
0: you're getting weighed up. Yeah.
1: Um, And they'd helped me come up with a solid action plan. Um, I had to go to Centrelink and – if he knew that I was going to Centrelink, he knew something was up. So I told him that I was making a therapy appointment because I was, you know, just trying to deal with witnessing a dog being bludgeoned to death and try to help me not be such a sook. And I really just want to be a stronger, tougher person for you. Um, And he said, if you're going to therapy, then we're fucking done.
0: Mm.
1: I'll end up with the cops at my door next time I'm home. If you tell them everything I've done. Which... To me, I'm like, okay, so you know what you're doing is fucked. Yeah. You you know it. Yeah. Um and then a couple of days later, I was still in contact with Place. I was still like, they did really encouraged me to um close this person. Do not let them, do not let them know that anything is going on. Don't let them think that you're even close to leaving. So I said, okay, well, if you're not happy about me going to therapy, then I won't do it. Like we'll work it out just me and you um and he's like well, I'll, I'll bring you and the kids up for a holiday i'm gonna buy you a puppy next time i'm home
0: what you're like no way i don't yeah. want a fucking dog near you
1: no um and so it was just this constant like pleasing of him through yeah. text messages
0: um how long did you work then, away for? Like how long, what was your time? Like how long did you think in your head um, you kinda had to sort it?
1: I, I knew that I'd probably have like 14 days. Yep. And I'm so grateful for the option that I had to do that because if I didn't have that, then I would not be where I am today. Like mm. I fear for what kind of position that I'd be in.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um I was monitored constantly on our CCTV cameras. If i had taken too long to pick up our groceries from Click and Collect, I'd be getting a phone call. Like, you left so-and-so minutes ago. I know the drive is only seven minutes. Why have you been there for ten minutes? Like, wow. I bet you're fucking one of the Woolies guys, you stupid slut. Like, just psychotic. I, kn- I knew that I would not have had the option to get out any other way. Yep. But I'd gotten a really cryptic message from the police and it, had, they'd use my government name, and I, I normally go by by a nickname, a shortened version of my government name. And when I saw my government name, I was like, "Oh, fuck Like, this must be them because nobody, like, not many people know my birth certificate name. Yeah. Even people that I've known for like ten years, when they find out my birth certificate name, they're like, "Oh,
0: I never uh, knew that was
1: your actual name."
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So I'm like, "Oh, okay." And it had said you know, so-and-so, we've gotten your traffic complaint. We're here to help you. If you're in danger, please call triple zero. If you'd like to call us about your traffic complaint, you can call us at this number. So I'm frantically Googling this number. I'm frantically Googling the the police that sent me the message, like because they left their name, and I'm frantically like, how do QPS communicate via text? Like, yeah. I didn't know if it was if it was my ex trying to trap me into something or if it was actually the police. Um, and I talked to my social worker that I'd now engaged with at this organisation and they're like, be really careful. Does he know any police? And I've gone, well, his uncle's actually a police officer. So that threw another thing into the works. But I'd called the station like the police station that they said they were from, they're like, "Nope, this is a real message, this is from us, you know this isn't about your traffic complaint,
0: please come. we're coding it, yeah.
1: Yeah, which I'm so grateful for and I think that's um, an amazing uh, kind of technique that they have.
0: Um, So the police, I've got it posted actually, have actually launched a new thing where they have an app and you can download an app and speak to them, you know, so... Something that I always talk about in my 12-stage program is there's this app that's like a calculator and you put a certain code in and then when you put a certain code in, it opens up like photos and you can store things in this. But on the phone, it looks like a calculator. So I talk about it in my program for people that are, you know, experience things. I'm like, download this app. It looks like a calculator. But then now the police are simulating something similar to that. I've just seen be released. So that you can store things in, you can add dates, you can add notes, and all this stuff, and then it's on their end as well, but it's not trackable, which is awesome.
1: That is so brilliant, so brilliant.
0: Yeah, like thank goodness these steps are coming out. We just gotta, you know, get them out, get them out to show everyone because it is fucking scary when you've got to hide stuff and try and find somewhere to put it, like to keep you like, and even for myself, bits of it wasn't even. um, Knowing that I'd ever need it for evidence, it was my mental clarity to remind me that I'm not crazy when I think I'm crazy. Like this this did happen. This happened. You know it happened. You've hidden it in your bloody Google Drive folder linked away somewhere under a different name. Go and revisit that and remind yourself that you're not mental.
1: Um, So I had gone into the police station after I had confirmed that it was, you know, all safe. Mm -hmm. And it went to a smaller rural police station than to what I thought it would have. Yep. And that is because when they ran the names, they saw my ex's last name, his uncle has the same last name. And instead of sending it to the police station that his uncle's at, they sent it to a different one.
0: Well done, police.
1: So thank you, Intel. We
0: hear some good things. We hear some questionable things at times, but that's a very good effort.
1: Um, They were all over it. And I think because there's obviously something that's happened with my ex before in the police. I'm unaware of what that is.
0: I was just going to ask whether you actually got knowledge on what had happened before.
1: Um, He'd applied for a gun licence when we were together and it got turned down. And he told me that it got turned down because of his public nuisance charges. I'm not dumb and I know that, that that's not something that happens, but I didn't question it any further.
0: Well, why would you? I'd believe that. Like I'd just go, oh, okay, whatever. You know, it's um, only the, the fr- like the, light. I suppose now you look back at it and you're like, oh, I had that light shined on me. And yep. those questions years ago and then now there's this. So it's obviously a charge of yeah. some sort.
1: Um, so they issued a police protection notice on the spot, Mm -hmm. um, naming myself and the children. And they told me like, you've, we're going to give you half an hour before we call him. Go home, put as much stuff into your car as you can and get out. Yeah. Sweet. So I'm just packing. So where were you going? Oh, sorry. Um, I was going to one of my friend's houses that was far enough out of our town. So it was probably like a 40 minute drive. Mm. Um, He didn't know where this friend lived. Okay. Um, And he was working at the top end of Queensland and we're at the bottom end. So I knew that I had enough time. I, I was confident that that's where they were. Um. So i have gone, gone home from the police station and just started shoving all this crap into the car and my ex is blowing up my phone because he knows from the CCTV and cameras doing that we've got something. up at home, oh, Something's happening. So I've just gross. got the kids in their car seats. The kids in their car seats just, we're going on an adventure. I'm just shoving as much as I can into the car. And I probably had something like between 50 and 60 missed calls. And then eventually I'd got a call from one of the police officers who messaged me first saying, I am calling you off a private number in three minutes.
0: Oh okay. good. Please
1: answer. Um another amazing tactic. Thank you, QPS. Um, and I'd answer and they're like, Yep, he's been served. With his copy of the police protection notice at so and so police station, um, and that was a full protection order like do not come within hundred meters, do not locate, do not attempt to locate, do not use any third party, like, like, a huge list of do conditions. Not. Yeah. Um, and I'd worked with my social worker, and we agreed to now that he knows, we can't risk him coming coming back to town. Mm. Um, so what we're going to do is put you in a safe house. And this safe house was like 400 kilometers away from our town in, in like a little rundown motel that no one would ever think of looking anyone, looking for anyone for. Um, one of my friends had come and seen me who lived a little bit closer and was just like, I'm so proud of you. Like the whole, like, it's finally over kind of thing. Um, but it's never really over. And then just, just to add to it, three days after I got the call from my do- my daughter's hospital, um, she'd had her first MRI scan for the diagnostic process for a condition, and they've told me, your daughter's got a brain tumour and your daughter's got a, a tumour on her spine. Awesome. Now, not only am I trying to hide from my kid's father who no doubtably is coming to end my life and my children's life my youngest has two tumors like what the fuck how the fuck am I ever going to be able to do this
0: yeah and how long um, ago was this like when did you leave um we left in July last year that's gonna I could tell it was kind of fresh like yeah to me, that's fresh um I You know, people are like, oh, it was this long ago. And in my experience of coming out the back of it, and obviously I wasn't dealing with a daughter with a tumour as well, it takes, there's an 18-month cycle. The first 18-month cycle is the just fucking survive cycle. You try and find yourself, like when you said, look at my nails and my hair. Those all occur in that first 18 months. And for me, drinking and partying, which I share openly, and then you hit that 18-month and you tip over into, okay, I've left now. What will life look like now? Like, how can I create yeah. the life that I actually want? And that's when the the steps of self discovery and stuff um, come into play.
1: And it's it's such a beautiful a beautiful process. Mm.
0: It's scary um, but beautiful. And each level yeah. up is so fucking like I'm four years out now, and the person that I was like, even when I heard you just say before, it's never really fucking over, and it's like you know, no, it stays dormant there for a while, like it's in there, but eventually um, you are a different person. Like, so you don't view the world the way that you used to, because you've, you've healed areas of yourself that were made to be who you were. So like the fawning people down and the The leveling down you as a person and all those things like yeah you know the the fear does I think will stay for forever like you know if you hear the person's name or a ringtone that's around that was their ringtone or all these triggers that kind of stay up like or you know or you'll catch someone off the corner of your eye that's dressed the same with the same body shape and you'll be like huh? and then you're like calm down calm down but you as a person gets to have this beautiful process of becoming this new or, as I call it, find my wild. So what is that core wild person that if all this didn't happen, what do they want to do and yes. how do they want to show up and how do they want to be and how do they want to talk and what do they want to wear and what do Yes. What's important to them and what do they give a fuck about? Like, you know, my ex-partner would be quite homophobic at times and I've never given a fuck about any of that shit ever in my life. But you kind of lived a life where that was deemed normal to have those conversations around you. And then yes. now it's like, don't speak around. Like, you know, if someone talks that way, one of my best friends is a lesbian and her partner, um, her friend, not her partner, sorry, is a really awesome gay guy. And his partner's yep. amazing. And I've really got to hang out with some really fucking interesting people because I'm an interesting person and my mind yeah. is not the skewed mind that it once was when it was living in fear.
1: Um I don't know if you've done this but I've I've looked back at photos from when I was with them and photos of myself now and there's just there's a light in my eyes oh, again
0: 100% and um there's so much in photos like my posture's different my face is more yes. you know even though like you know I did I forced myself into things like bodybuilding and things like that when I was with him and being really lean, which was a self-punishment thing. Now that I look back Mm -hmm. at it and it was control that I had, it was the only level of control I had was like food and bits and pieces Mm -hmm. anyway. So, and then now, so obviously, you know, a bit more chubbier than back in those days, but I look and I've got like glowy skin and You know, like I just look like a breath of fresh air compared to back then. Like back then it was like you can see that my mind was always going. Like, you know, when I'm out with my, I did go out with my friends. So I probably challenged him a lot. Like he hated tattoos. So I would go and I went and got fucking a tattoo like this big on my leg. knowing full well it was going to stir shit up I don't know why (laughs) I would stir shit up and he went and stayed somewhere else he was so fucking angry at me and he's like tattoos are for income tattoos are for prisoners like for inmates you know like it's filthy it's disgusting or you know he hated piercing so I'd get my nose pierced and I always had this like little thing where or he didn't like me going out for drinks and I didn't do it often back then but if I did once the abuse started i'd switch my phone off um and just be like i'm having this night but i yep. you know i wasn't concerned i was never concerned about him with the kids it it was probably more yep. so me where you've obviously you know had that more level of violence where you were scared for those their safety, which I get. But I'd switch my phone off and then come back in the morning and be like, oh, well, I'll just deal with it tomorrow. <laughs> so I yeah. pushed him all the time and I look back now and it was me trying to be me yeah, all the time, like from the clothes um, I wore to what I did to how I dressed to how I spoke to the conversations, you know, just to me I was always trying to get out of this cage that was created internally because i had I just... to create this persona to keep him happy um and i think that's why i'm so passionate about it now finding your wild and helping people do that and like the 12 stage program that i've developed goes through the legal the wealth and then it moves into like physical mental and emotional health and then it moves into spirituality and healing because yeah, that journey it is so pitic- um, pivotal in you becoming you, whoever that is. Yeah. So at the first bit it's like, fuck, I need support, I need to get out, I mm-hmm. need lawyers, I need money, I need to survive and then that dissipates a bit and then you're like, okay, now what? And it's like, well, I want to go to yoga or I want to go for a swim in the beach or I want to go do these things and, you know, I need to journal and I need apps to help me feel good about myself because I have to rewire my brain to lack self-love now bring in self-love and then once you kind of move through that and you're like okay I've got it now I can sleep at night I'm not worried about every fucking noise that goes past my house or whatever and then you move into okay well now I've done all that what's like I said before what's actually important to me what do I care about what do I want to do and you know like when I'm stressed, I just take a big breath and I can calm myself down and I can regulate my now my own emotions because I don't have to be fearful of what's around me.
1: I've found that there's there's a real a real gap in after you leave. Mm, I such a gap, a it
0: blows of, my mind. You're yeah. on your own. You're on your own and you gotta yep. navigate it all. Like once they feel that you're safe and you know, I didn't have the 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 lawyer started for me kind of a month after which um if you ever want to listen to my story I explained it a bit in detail but yeah. I was dropping the kids back to his uh to our house to visit him and I'd get 10 minutes and then he'd ring and he'd be like come and get the fucking kids fuck you," yeah, and be screaming so I'd go get the kids mm. and, then, and then a week later he'd do the same thing. And then one time his parents came over and this was the last time because when I picked him up, all three of them just were like beside themselves and they're like, Um, we are not going back in that house. And I was like, okay, and that invoked my start of, okay, I need a lawyer and I need this. But I did it all so poorly. Like I went and got the first lawyer that I spoke to who was like, oh, you know, here you go. And I started proceedings, which ended up being my downfall because once you start, you can't stop until there's an order which took three and a half years and fucking thousands of dollars. But anyway, we got there. Um, And that's why I kind of share it all because it's just like, don't do what I did. Don't go to see the first lawyer. Don't, you know, like go and make those statements at the police. Go and do these things and then work on you because the sooner you start looking inside and working on you as a person, like if my first court case to my last, he was fighting a different person. Like at the first, I was like, what, you know, they were like, we've got to go to mediation visits. You've got to do this. You're alienating the father. And I just said, yes to everything. You've got to do drug tests, even though Mm -hmm. I was never in question for my drug use. And I've openly said that I've taken recreational drugs and shit, but my drug use wasn't in question, but he wouldn't do it unless I did. So I said, okay, no worries. And I said, yes to everything. And then at the end, They were like, he wants weekly phone calls. And I was like, no, (laughs) he'll get phone calls when the kids want to call him. That's how it's going to go. Yep. And I want it all. Like I got what I wanted. But that self, that the gap is very much on Mm -hmm. you rebuilding you as a person because it's like. Yeah, I
1: feel um, they only know me as. who they molded me to be, and they 100%.
0: don't.
1: They don't know who I am now, and this has just lit such a fire in me. Mm, same. If not, if not for me, for my children,
0: one hundred percent, and for me too, it's future generations as well. Because the more light yes. that's shed on this now, and I know that you know, the more we share our stories, which I'm so passionate about. Hopefully, yes. one day someone will listen to just a small part of your story. And go fuck my partner does that, uh, yeah. And that they, they will leave before they've got to witness their dog being bludgeoned to death in the backyard, or fucking cha- like taken out in the bush with a knife. And you know what I mean. Like if we can, yeah, show show young children at school like that get into these relationships with boys that it's not okay. Like I'm still yeah. learning now, four years later, what a normal relationship looks like. I'm not in a relationship, and because I'm still working on myself, so I can actually understand what a normal relationship looks like. Because I'm not confident in saying what that is. Because yeah. my whole adult life was spent with a dysfunction in a dysfunctional relationship. So, and I don't want to ever put my. I want my kids to get to see the next relationship. Yes, it could be a relationship, one that they go, "Wow, this looks like love." Mum's so happy. They're so respected. There's no one telling her off. Yeah and all this and then they adopt that as being normal now and then they go out and get that.
1: See, on on one of my Mother's Day cards when my oldest was in kindy or in prep, um, you know how they've just got like questions and the teacher prompts you when they write it down. It was my mum's the best because and my oldest says she does everything daddy tells her to do.
0: Those are the moments, hey. That when just fucking you like, like... drop your heart, and you just think, my kids were my defining moment in leaving at the end because I was yeah. sleeping in my daughter's bed because he'd shaken me in the sleep because he said he got stuck. He mine was um, uh, on ice really bad at the end, even though. Yeah. <laughs> isn't it funny? The only thing that he harasses me about is the fact that I said he was an ice addict. Mm-hmm. Ah. He doesn't come back at me for anything else I've spoken about and he's listened to the podcast. I got an email the other day going, you can post as many podcasts as you like. And I was like, man, I really hope you got some learning out of hearing. Yes. An experience from a different end. But whatever, you take it as it is. Um, and to be honest, I'm beyond the stage of... Um, Uh, feeling resentment towards him as a person it's just these were the actions this is how it occurred Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm gonna share it because i don't want other people to feel that way because it's not normal and it's not okay and you do you i hope you find happiness and peace and become a better person because that would be amazing but just not in my vicinity um but yeah like i can't even remember what we're talking about because i got sidetracked but um yeah I'm just so fucking passionate oh the kids my kids were my down part because they were actually the thing that led me to get out because I was sleeping in my daughter's bed my daughter said to me mum you promised that if we because we did a final holiday to try and work it out and it didn't get worked out anyway and she was like you said if he wrecked Bali we'd leave and we're still here why are we here and then my son came in and went mum what are you going to do sleep in your daughter's room for the rest of your life like are you serious And I just remember those two incidents being a thing where I was like, fucking hell, like what am I showing Mm -hmm. them that love is? Like is this really what I want to showcase? But here we are, here we are, happy, healthy, sharing our stories and embarking on hopefully what becomes change in the world as we know it.
1: If I can take anything away from my experience, it would be to help anyone else.
0: 100%. And in whatever capacity. And even if it's just, you know, like, when I started my Instagram page ages ago, I was too scared to put my face on it, so it was just words. Yep. And then I slowly moved into my face and things and sharing. And that's why I asked you before what the place was that you went to because mm-hmm. you got to look into them and then I can post them up there because the more resources people amazing. have on their yeah. hands and their fingerprint uh, fingertips, the more chances they've got of taking that step. Um, yeah, Because no one deserves to live like that no fear and I always say this like it doesn't matter if it's not if they're not hitting you or if it's you know not violent or whatever if you can't tell someone something out of fear and not out of like oh I'm not looking forward to what they've got to say to me that's different yeah you know like when you go to tell something someone something and you're like oh I don't think they're going to take this well and they're going to be upset so they're going to react yeah that's one thing I'm talking about fear of punishment and the consequences that come from that conversation. Yep. It's not okay. Like you should be able to talk to someone that you live with and that you, uh, quote, unquote, you love and that loves you about life without thinking, oh, fuck, they're going to make sure there's no money in the account or they're going to like sit in the shed and fucking chain smoke until five in the morning and then just glare at me with these eyes and or, you know, like, they're going to yell at me or they're not going to talk to me or whatever your punishment look like in your household, that is just not, not yeah. like normal behaviour.
1: The first night we were in our safe house, mm. my oldest said, like we are all sharing this one king-size bed, and my, I was in between the two kids. My oldest rolled over and looked at me and said, thank you, mummy.
0: I know. Isn't that just a vibe? Like... I know. I got a text message from my little girl the other day and she was like, Mom, I love you so much. Um just keep fighting because we've yeah. changed you've changed our lives. And I'm like, that's uh-huh. the, that's the matter. Yeah, I know yeah. like it, it really does because yeah it's not like I ever question staying because I uh, like, yeah, I never question my own self in saying I should have stayed. But I yeah. do sometimes feel guilty like I've moved them into state. They've lost. We had a family home. We'd just put a pool yeah. in, We're now renting in a house. You know, at times it's like, yeah. no, you can't have that. I'm a sole care. You know, I provide yeah. for my family all on my own. So I'm like, sorry, we can't have that or we can't do this or whatever. And yeah. guilt comes in. But then I'm like, yeah, but they just, it's so free. Like, you know, even the, yeah. the crazy little things. Like I've got a good friend that lives on a farm and she's like, come out and have a couple of drinks. I'm like, yeah, all right. And then I'm like, oh, I've had one too many drinks. Do you care if we stay the night? Yeah. Fucking that would just never have happened in my old life. No. <laughs> like, At all. Just never. It just would have been like, where the fuck are you? Like, yeah, just never would have happened that easily Mm. where it's like, oh, I get to make a choice right now in this moment that I'm going to stay over or I'm going to go here or do this. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for being on this Find My Wild podcast with me and thank you oh thank you so much i hope you got some healing in sharing too and like talking oh absolutely because i feel you're lighter now than coming into it and it's so healing to be heard um please stay in contact with me via email i feel like we can very much work together and create change Um, i would
1: love that thank you
0: because oh this is what i would like to do with find my wild and see happen is a mammoth like a mammoth thing that I'd like to build and I need everybody behind it all in whatever capacity because I just feel that strength in numbers and, you know, I've got a firm belief that uh, we can help any human. I don't want to label yep. it as men or women um, just because I've seen some opposing with men and quite often they mm-hmm. stay because they're embarrassed or, yep. you know, like it's a different mix of emotions. So I feel, really feel like we can help any human who needs it and without prejudice, as in if, for an example, when I get this non-for-profit, up, which I'm so fucking dedicated to doing, I'm trying to talk to lawyers now to get pro bono lawyers to come in and oh. help me like just finalize <laughs> it all. So exciting. I know and scary. I feel like I could vomit in my mouth. But when we get this up and we start raising funds and we start doing things, you know, helping any human who needs it rebuild their life, starting with just the fleeing, you know, at the very smallest thing, if we can just help Mm -hmm. people get out and get away for a week and then link them in with services, that would be amazing. But without prejudice, as in we understand that they may leave and then they may go back and we're there for that. We're here. We're here for the long haul, you know. We understand that whatever's happened and got you back in the situation, no judgment whatsoever, the doors are always open because we hope that if we give you enough love, compassion and support, one day, just one day, that door will be the last time you walk out that door because it's fucking scary.
1: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. (laughs)
0: oh well thank you again um thank i always you. end my podcast by letting you know that you are so brave you are so strong and you are so loved in my space along with my find my Wild community space so i thank you so much for being here with me and thank you
1: thank you it was lovely talking to you you
0: too have a great day and i'll see talk to you soon you please stay in contact absolutely bye bye Well, there we go. Another amazing story by a Fire My Wild community member. And the more stories I hear, the more absolutely dumbfounded I am by what happens to people and how things occur. And also what's going on behind closed doors. You know the saying that you just never know what's happening, so always be kind. When I hear these stories, it just radiates so true that you need to be kind. Now, if you have a story that you wish to share, please reach out and contact me at lauren at Um, if you would like to go check out the 12-stage program I'd be so forever grateful I would really really love to hear what people think about it and also if you've got more to add like if there's more resources that you used I would love that so please go check that out you can find that on the website www.findmywild.com.au it's free to download share it with anyone that you think would need it So that brings us to the conclusion of this episode and I want you to take a big breath, place your hand on your heart, breathe in with me and say it out loud. I am so brave. I am so strong and I'm so very loved in this space. I love you so bloody much. Thanks for being here. You're fucking awesome. Have a great day.